Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about how people really feel about eating meat, how doctors can use cosmic rays in medical diagnoses, and a mysterious battery that's been running for more than 175 years. Let's satisfy some curiosity. There is nothing quite as unappetizing as a pile of raw, slimy chicken breast. And if you don't believe me, just ask a meat eater. That's right. Even people who regularly indulge in meat find it kind of gross. And that's given scientists a new idea for cutting meat consumption. All right, before I jump into this next story, I just want to quickly say, Ashley and I are both meat eaters, and we're not going to tell you what to do in this next story. We're just going to talk about some science of eating meat. Let's get that out of the way, and we'll get through this together. Ahem. Now, let's face it. Meat is pretty bad for the planet and for our health. Livestock farming is a big producer of greenhouse gases and a big contributor to deforestation. And eating a lot of meat, especially red meat, is linked to heart disease and certain cancers. And that's not to mention the ethical concerns, like how animals are treated in factory farms. So, if we do want to cut down on meat consumption, a new study from the University of Exeter suggests that it's probably smart to play to people's feelings of disgust. This study took 711 people who followed different diets. Now, most were omnivores, some were vegetarians or vegans, and others were flexitarians or pescatarians, and that is vegetarians who eat some meat or fish. The researchers measured the participants' attitudes toward meat and their level of meat consumption. And the researchers also followed up with participants six months later. Now, as you might expect, vegetarians felt the most disgust about meat. But it turned out that the meat eaters also felt some meat disgust. And the higher the meat disgust, the lower their actual meat intake was. In the follow-up study, they confirmed that disgust influenced people's actual eating habits. The higher their disgust on the first survey, the less they reported eating meat on the second. This is the first study that was able to quantify how meat disgust can sway meat consumption. That's why we're talking about it. Past studies have suggested that people who eat meat repress their feelings of disgust around eating sentient creatures. I mean, no one wants to eat Bambi, but meat tastes good. So omnivores push those feelings aside to get through their meals. But now this study suggests that if we want to encourage people to go vegetarian, we could take advantage of those feelings of disgust and bring them out in people. It might encourage them to eat less meat over time. Now that said, the study couldn't say whether disgust pushes people away from meat or if people who eat less meat also express more meat disgust. Future research will have to tackle that question. But if you're trying to cut down on your meat consumption, try leaning into your feelings of disgust. They might be right there below the surface. Or just keep eating meat because we're not telling you what to do. We're just science communicators. A lot of medicine boils down to a simple question. What's going on inside of a body? 
Researchers at Los Alamos National Laboratory recently announced a new technique that uses naturally occurring cosmic rays to check out internal organs. In a not-yet-peer-reviewed study, they say the futuristic method could be used to monitor lung inflammation in people with COVID-19, among plenty of other things. Doctors and technicians have spent decades peeking inside patients using sound waves, electromagnetic radiation, and even radioactive material. Some of the techniques are fancy, but even a regular old x-ray is a marvelous marriage of physics and medicine. The methods of imaging currently in widespread use all have something in common. They create, or at least channel, the particles or waves used to make the image. This new study is so cool because the researchers used particles that were already out there in the atmosphere. The particles they used are called muons, and they're created when cosmic rays from space collide with Earth's atmosphere. Muons are strange little particles. They're similar to electrons, but a lot bigger and way less stable. Once a muon is created, it only exists for a couple of milliseconds before decaying. But here's the thing. Muons move fast. So fast that a lot of them manage to travel all the way to Earth's surface during that extremely short lifespan. The researchers used a pair of muon detectors to measure muons just before they traveled through a 3D model of a human, weirdly called a human phantom, and then again right afterward. Since muons are created high above our heads, setting up a test like this was pretty simple. They put one detector above the human phantom and another one underneath it. They used a few different techniques to track how the human phantom affected the muons that passed through it. One of those techniques, called multiple scattering radiography, can determine how thick an object is by seeing how the angles of muons change when they're passing through it. That can give physicians information about changes in the body over time. Things like lung density, which is an important metric in COVID-19 patients. This was a very early study, but the results were promising. The researchers say that higher quality instruments and a few tweaks to the setup might make it possible for doctors to continuously monitor changes inside their patients, all using nothing more than the muons that are flowing through all of us all the time. Researchers are always trying to make batteries last longer, but would you believe one of the longest running batteries ever was created all the way back when Charles Dickens was still publishing new works? To dig into its history, we dusted off this classic Curiosity Daily story from 2018 and remastered it just for you. Have a listen. There's a bell in the Clarendon Laboratory at Oxford University, and it's been ringing for more than 175 years, and nobody knows how. What? So the bell goes by a couple names, the Oxford Electric Bell for some, and the Clarendon Dry Pile for others. And you'll find out why it's called the Dry Pile, which sounds a little weird, right? It's been ringing since 1840, although ringing is a strong word because the bell's practically inaudible because it's behind a protective glass case because it's, it's 175 years old. You want to protect it. But if you get up close, you can see the clapper vibrating at a pretty impressive speed. According to the university, the bell, which is powered by this single seemingly immortal battery, has rung approximately 10 billion times. Wait, it's been ringing nonstop? Yes. Oh. Yeah. So the mystery is how? How has it lasted so long? And how is it still going? This battery is what's called a dry pile, which was one of the first types of electric batteries. 
Those work by using alternating disks of silver, zinc, and sulfur, plus other materials, to generate electricity. Back when people were still figuring out the dry pile, they even experimented with organic materials like radish and beet slices. Well, we don't actually know what the piles in the Oxford Bell's battery are made of. And researchers would almost certainly ruin the streak if they opened it to find out what's going on inside. One paper estimates the clapper seems more likely to wear out than the battery. So this mystery could be going on for many more years. Wow. Yeah. Wouldn't you love that in your phone? Yeah. Just goes on forever. Somebody get me a dry pile in my in my cell phone. That'd be great. In yeah. my smartphone. Smartphone powered by radishes. I mean, as long as it doesn't smell. Let's recap the main things we learned today, Ashley. All right. Well, first off, we learned that even meat eaters feel some disgust toward meat. And the more disgust they feel, the less meat they eat. That might be a way to persuade meat eaters to eat less meat, since meat consumption is a big contributor to greenhouse gases and deforestation, not to mention health problems. Little behind the scenes look, listener, we've gotten really angry emails from both ends of the spectrum, right? There's vegans that have emailed us very upset that we like promote meat consumption and other people that are meat eaters that get very upset when we run stories like this. You know, saying, you know, it's not that big a deal. There's synthetic meats. It's not that big of a green, you know. So when we talk about this stuff, we're trying to give you the science and help you understand the world better. And that's why I gave a big disclaimer at the top to like, please try to stay calm. We do our best. We're trying. Yeah. But I mean, also, if you are a meat eater, I know that one part of like learning to cook is getting over your disgust of working with raw meat. I mean, raw meat is gross. It is gross. <laughs> it totally is. Like, I mean, I eat meat. I cook meat. But working with raw meat, especially when you're not used to it, can be kind of disgusting. And so, I mean, to me, this makes sense, right? That, yeah, there is some disgust there. Totally. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> and we also learned that scientists at Los Alamos National Laboratory figured out a way to use cosmic rays from space to see what's going on inside the bodies of medical patients. Muons are created when cosmic rays collide with our atmosphere, and muons are passing through us all the time. And by using detectors to measure how muons change when they're passing through us, this new technique can monitor changes in a human body over time including things that are important in COVID-19, like lung density. I think it's cool because cosmic rays are a thing they talk about in sci-fi. Absolutely. I mean, yes. And I'm a nerd. Nerd <laughs> alert. <laughs> we also learned that there's a bell at Oxford University that's been ringing since 1840, more than 180 years at this point. I know we said 175 in the story, but now it's more than 180 because math. The Oxford Electric Bell, or Clarendon Dry Pile, has rung more than 10 billion times, and nobody really knows how. It runs on a dry pile, which uses alternating disks of materials like silver and zinc to generate electricity. Now, back when this battery was created, people were experimenting with organic materials like radishes and beets in the dry piles. So it's really anybody's guess what's in there. I just love the idea of having a battery I can eat. Just <laughs> just put put just sprinkle a few of those batteries in my salad, please. Thank you. I love the idea of a battery that lasts almost 200 years that we made before like technology was invented. <laughs> 
pretty sure technology was around then, but I I I get your gist. Were you there? <laughs> I wasn't there. Well, then maybe it was. <laughs> but yeah, it's like the other interesting thing is it's like you don't want to break the streak of it running for 180 years, but like you want to know it's in there, right? I'm sure there are some researchers like Let's just take it apart. We don't need this bell to keep ringing, right? I'm sort of like quietly hoping that the paddle wears out. So they just have to take it apart. But it's not the battery that fails. It's the bell. Yeah. And then I'll take the dry pile and put it in my cell phone. Perfect. Everybody wins. (laughs) Or your salad, depending on what it's made of. Why not both? Today's writers are Kelsey Donk, Grant Curran, and Mae Rice. Our managing editor is Ashley Hamer. Our producer and audio editor is Cody Goff. Let those cosmic rays course through your body. And you can join us again tomorrow to let curiosity course its way through your ears as you learn something new in just a few minutes. Weird. (laughs) And until then, stay curious.